with the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are Y Whales. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Y Whales, wherever in the world you are today. So it is uh, March 22nd. Uh, the Fed decided to go up another 25 basis points. So we are at uh, 2007 historic levels. Uh, the markets I still aren't sure what they want to do. So they've kind of remained neutral. I think we'll see a majority of that uh, most likely come out tomorrow. Um, but, you know, there is, uh, without a doubt, uh, turmoil in, in the larger capital markets. Um, and so we can't even say it's a, it's a crypto problem anymore. Um, that being said, as we are clearly in a bear and, um, you know, there's, there's no one thinking of bulls anytime is going to happen anytime soon. Although I'm sure there's a few. Um, I think somebody just said Bitcoin was going to hit a million dollars in the next 90 days, uh, and placed a million dollar bet on it happening. So, um, I look forward to him winning that bet. Uh, but I'm going to go ahead and, and I would probably bet against that. That being said, um, where we've seen just an amazing amount of intake is is in kind of the the builders, the developers, and really the larger infrastructure plays behind what Web3's promises have been. When you take away all the hype, when you take away all the FOMO, suddenly now all, all of the innovators have some space and time and room to really think about, did we do things right over the last pool? What can we do better? How do we gain better consumer adoption? And so when we start, when we think about crypto, when we think about blockchain, I, I constantly am, am asked by, you know, is it real? How does it work? Does how can it, you know, in any way, shape, or form, help me in my real life? Um, and so today is just this amazing uh, conversation that we're going to have with Valerie from the Helium uh, Foundation, and I'm really excited to kind of have this talk because one thing that's all for certain is that when Wi-Fi came into our lives and when kind of wireless internet, you know, became a thing, um, it, it transformed the world. And I remember the first, you know, time that I could have a laptop that wasn't wired in, and just what a freeing feeling that is. And now we get into the fact that you know some have. Of mobile and you can travel a lot of it, but at the end of the day, there's still a lot of gaps to, to be you know flushed out in that network. It's still very expensive. It's still very slow, and it's it's not a perfect system by any means. Um, so that being said, uh, Valerie, thank you so much for taking the time today, and and would love to hear a little bit of your background uh, before we dive into helium. Yeah, awesome, Jay. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, so um, I'll go over myself. So I'm Valerie Spina. I am from the Helium Foundation. I'm there today working on sort of ops and governments and governance. Those are my kind of two big focuses. Um, but I come from a background in strategic transformations um, in traditional finance and in mortgage finance at uh, Freddie Mac. And um, we worked at, you know, kind of um, enterprise-wide, you know, uh, uh, tech transformations there. Uh, and then I really moved into the crypto and blockchain space kind of immediately from that. Um, it was something we were looking at kind of from traditional finance, just, you know, what is crypto? How might this impact us? And um, I had an interesting involvement in crypto as a teenager, um, which was, you know, just, a, just, you know, kind of messing around on the internet. No one like knew what this was. And we were just, you know, we we're just teenagers exploring the internet. And, um, uh, but I came back to it again as a as a later professional um, and took a role as a blockchain researcher at a really interesting nonprofit in Denver, Colorado called uh, ICAST. It was the International Center for Appropriate and Sustainable Technology. 
and they had a blockchain researcher position open. I was like, let's do it. Let's go. They did green energy retrofits for multifamily affordable housing units, which I just loved that mission. I've, I've always been really mission-oriented in my work. Kind of a reason I loved Freddie Mac. I, I'm sort of um, a big believer in kind of sustainable and social enterprises. And so I, I moved into uh, this one. And then um, I was there for about a, a year sort of working as a consultant and as an internal researcher and tried to sell the company on Helium because when we when that company went into multifamily affordable housing units, they might've gone into a property that um, hadn't been touched for 50 years or probably wouldn't be touched again for another 50 years just because, you know, uh, multifamily doesn't get renovated often. It just doesn't have the money for it. It doesn't have the resources. Um, it might be in a uh, HUD backlog, you know, and the federal government can't get to it. And so this kind of organization, and there's only uh, two that I know of in the U.S. that do these um, retrofits. Um, this organization was able to get into multifamily affordable housing. Um, so they would go and they would put kind of new green energy technology. They would um, put new insulation. They might put, you know, uh, LED lights in, kind of everything from, you know, small to, to you know, really big changes. Um, and so Helium was such an awesome product because you could go into this property and you could, you know, start to make it smart home enabled. And again, if you're not going to go into a property for 50 years, it kind of makes sense to, you know, just put as much infrastructure as you, as you could. Um, and Helium at the time was, you know, $50 a token. It was, you know, really great. It was an easier sell for me as a kind of internal researcher. And, um, and so that's what that's what happened. But really fell in love from the with the project from there, and also was sort of making my way um, consulting in some other ways for kind of crypto blockchain startups. Um, and finally found myself actually at the Helium Foundation. And I, I pinched myself; I couldn't believe that I uh, got here. So yeah, that's amazing. And you know, <laughs> it, it's it's a it's a common theme and thread we're seeing more and more often now um, with with the guests on this program. Where you know, for a long time in the you know pre bull and, and bull cycle of you know kind of 18, 19, 20, 21, um, there was a ton of projects that had amazing valuations, but they had no consumers. They had no go to market strategy. They had they had no real like what are, what value we're going to provide in this world other than increasing our market cap and and providing liquidity to a bunch of other you know random shit coins um, around the blockchain. And I and, you know listen, we we all play the games and and we're warning alongside. Um, but but the projects that are still here, the projects that are still receiving funding, adoption, and and really are innovating very highly are the ones that have a here's how we're going to make the world better. Totally. Here's how we're going to help improve people's lives. And, and so I really, like I said, I, I'm excited to, to kind of really understand a little bit more behind the scenes of, of what you and the Helium Foundation are doing um, because it's, it's a global project, correct? Absolutely. Yep. We're all over the world. I think we're in more than 196 countries today. That's amazing. So let's let's just dive right into it. And so you know, I think a lot of us know Helium. We've we've understood. We've played with it. We probably a lot of our listeners, you know, maybe even have the machines. Um, but just give us that 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 you know from the bottom up, you know, overview of of what Helium is doing and, and what your mission is. Yeah. So so Helium is building a global decentralized wireless network, and they're doing that by um, and they did that originally by rolling out what's called a LoRaWAN network. It's a long range, um, low power network. Um, this is part of kind of a, a LoRa networking protocol, um, which is a standard kind of in the uh, in the industry as a as a networking protocol. And so, um, yeah, 
it's for it's made for IoT devices. So uh, it's uh, it's not a network for your computers and it's not a network for your phones, but it's a network for um, devices that sort of don't need to send data, don't need a high bandwidth to send data, um, and they don't need to send it doesn't need to send data uh, often or frequently, and and uh, doesn't need to send large packet sizes. So this is um, this is made for sensors. So this might be you know sensors on um, street lights or uh, sensors in remote locations or sensors for agriculture and soil monitoring. Um, and so, yeah, we rolled out this kind of uh, global decentralized wireless network. Um, at first, Helium uh, Inc. was a company that was building its own devices and you would buy this piece of hardware and you would install it in your home. And since then, though, we actually don't produce any more hardware. Um, and now we're an open network that um, you get certified with us and you can, as a manufacturer, produce your own hardware. And that is, uh, you're allowed to sell to the network. Very, very smart on on not building your own hardware because that, <laughs> yeah. that, that's a, a net zero sum game, um, you know, with, with some of the established, you know, web one and two players that have just been doing this for, for decades and decades. So um, love that. So, so you guys have evolved. Um, you know, you really did start with the Internet of Things of like, hey, we we want to help this connectivity. Um, how's that mission kind of shifted nowadays? Yeah. So that shifted about a year ago to be what we're calling a network of networks model. So we really had a, a lot of success. I mean, we have almost a million hotspots on the network today, which is um, incredible. That was, you know, 2019 had almost no hotspots on the network to, um, you know, fast forward to 2023, and we have almost a million onboarded to the network today. So, wow. it, it, yeah, and, and so it was such a such a good growth, and really the um, kind of crypto incentive uh, model had such a success with the the rollout of the uh, LoRaWAN network that we applied that to a 5G CBRS network. So it's a 5G citizens broadband um, radio service network. Um, which means that it's kind of an open protocol for people to roll 5G coverage out with. Um, it still is FCC regulated, but uh, that is sort of the other network that's now part of the, the Helium um, ecosystem. And so, yeah, we have this network of networks, LoRaWAN and 5G. Yeah. And these are, and, and, you know, I think that what's really interesting is number one, it, you know, I'm, you're not the first one to, to try to do a network like this. In fact, the major telecoms uh, are most likely your competition. AT&T has been doing this for a while. You you go, you say, hey, I, I, I'd, I'd like my new uh, modem for my residence. And they go, hey, we're just putting this extra box here. It's not going to affect anything, um, but it's it's broadcasting exactly those, those same types of signals. Um, but there's a big difference between when the telecom does it and when, when one of your... Um, one of us does it and what, and I'd, I'd love to kind of expand on what that difference is. Yeah, totally. And that's, I mean, that's like why we're all here. That's like why people love the Helium Network. That's why I'm here. That's why the Helium Foundation is here is because we want to be, you know, a people owned and operated network that, you know, the thing that you pay into as a customer is something that you also own, something that you have um, participation in, something that you mm -hmm. can help make changes to. And so, yeah, that's the biggest difference, I think, from from my perspective, at least, of you know how we're different than these big telcos is that, yeah, we're people-owned and operated. And I think what that also means, too, is like we can get the types of last mile deployments that big telcos can't and haven't because it's too high of a cost um, and they have the chicken and egg problem of, well, who's going to pay for this? Uh, well, we could pay for it, but you know, we can't get money until 
we do that, but we can't get money until we know we have customers. Like they just have this kind of chicken and egg problem of cost. Um, And so we can sort of solve that problem by having, you know, people roll this out. Um, And then of course the foundation now works on making sure that people are like really utilizing this network. Yeah, and and I remember last year when the when the five Gs started rolling out, I was like, oh, that's great. I you know I own a bunch of commercial buildings. I said this makes perfect sense to me. <laughs> you guys were sold out, um, <laughs> and I, I don't. I, I still don't think you guys have have stock, and that's that's been you know probably why you shifted away from you guys making your own to to partner with others because it was insanely popular for for people around the world that have dealt with this problem and know people you know are live in areas that a telecom would never think you know this is something I need, and they go, no, I, I live in rural Africa. I live in old Missouri. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Um, you know, there, there's people that are around me all the time and, and they, they suddenly see there's some very like profitable hotspots, um, in the middle of nowhere that I've seen, uh, from some stats. Oh, totally. Yeah, there definitely are. Yeah. I have a few out in the middle of nowhere too. <laughs> yeah. So talk, so talk about the governance side of things. Cause I think that's the most important part. We're, we're not, you know, you guys do have a foundation and, and obviously there's, there's people to call. You guys are working on this project day in and day out. Um, but, but you have this amazing governance. And so I think that's, especially with what you do, um, talk through a little bit about how that was formed, you know, the way it operates today and, and a little bit of the roadmap of where it's going in the future. Cause that's one of the biggest, most exciting things of web three is that, is that, you know, online governance, that, that ownership. Yeah. I think that's the most exciting part too, which is why I'm, I'm super excited to work on this at the foundation. So, um, and the foundation, um, just as a point to, um, our whole mission is to help steward the Helium network, but also steward the decentralized wireless industry as well. So um, we do a lot, I think, to just do both of those things. Um, but kind of the primary things we also do is like we give out grants, like we want more open source development for, again, the Helium network, but also the decentralized wireless industry at large. Um, and hopefully we can provide the education needed for that. And again, you know, kind of be a big player in stewarding governance and also kind of, you know, affecting governance how we can. So, so yeah, so what is Helium governance? So today we have, Helium governance is defined by the um, HIP or the Helium uh, Improvement Proposal. That's not a new thing. That is a, um, you know, taken from the original BIP, the Bitcoin Improvement Proposal, and then kind of many crypto projects use that as well. But um, that is our kind of core unit of change is the Helium Improvement Proposal. Today, anyone can make a proposal and we have network-wide voting. So um, you just, it's really one wallet, one vote, which means you have to have one HNT in your wallet and then you can vote on proposals. The future of governance is going to be on Solana. So what we get when we move to governance is finally the implementation of what's called HIP 51 to 53. These were um, helium improvement proposals that were passed probably about a year ago at this point. Um, You can find that in the um, helium repository. Again, all of our governance is open. So you can go and you can view that. You can comment. You can help make edits to HIPs. Um, We really want people to be as involved as they can be in in governance. Um, so HIP 51 and 53 set out that we would get Helium sub-DAOs, that we would get new network tokens. This was the network of networks model. Uh, Helium sub-DAOs, Helium tokens, um, or new tokens, the IoT token and mobile token, which would represent both these new kind of, um, uh, this, this would represent the network of networks model. Um, and then that we would get weighted voting and then, of course, we had a HIP later that was HIP 70 that said, okay, now we're going to do all of that on the Solana network. And we're, we need a new L1 actually to enable all of that because we really weren't going to be able to do that on the, the current um, Helium blockchain. 
So that's really interesting. So, so you actually allowed your your governance and your users to select which chain you're going to use. Which generally, I you know, I, I say the the central team, the foundation, should be able to make those day to day changes. Um, but that's interesting that you're you know you you allowed that level of governance. Yeah, this was a and this was a proposal by Helium Core developers. But yeah, this was a proposal by the Helium Core developers, which are developers kind of spread out over the ecosystem. They're at different companies. We have community developers, um, and they kind of came together and they proposed the new L1. Um, and yeah, then of course the Helium community voted on it. It was the most, I believe, it was the most votes any improvement proposal ever had. And so that's how we that's how we decided that. I, I, I can only imagine it was probably a very cordial form uh, conversation and, and not a single negative thing was ever said, right? No, yeah, <laughs> yeah not exactly. <laughs> not exactly. I've, I mean, I think that's as expected, though, that, you know, any L1 selection would be, you know, really uh, just contentious. It's it's a yeah. big decision. Yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't matter which one you pick. Even if you say we're chain agnostic, we're on all of them. You're, you're, there's always someone that's upset. It's uh, you know totally. L- L1s is a little bit of a religion. Um, it, we need to get away from that. I, I do believe it's it's chain of chains, same as you're saying network of networks. You know, it's it's all about interoperability. You know, what what can you connect to? Not what are you siloing off from the world. Um, and so I, I I absolutely endorse Solana as an amazing network that is you know high speed uh, low cost. Um, and if your if your goal is to move a lot more tokens around and and kind of reward on a more regular basis and do some more you know advanced things, they can absolutely be done on Ethereum or, or any L two there. Um, it just costs more and, and it's and it's uh, a little a little tough right now um, with the rate of development over there compared to where Solana is just mm-hmm. still has that centralized team and they're moving at a much much faster innovation pace. Totally, and um, yeah, we're I mean we're really excited to move to the Solana. Um, network in general. Um, you know, we're going to get, like you just said, lower transactions, way faster speeds, kind of a whole network of developers and a growing network of, of Rust developers. Um, we have the Solana Foundation, Solana Labs, we're like real powerhouses to do exactly what you just said, kind of grow that network and grow that ecosystem. Um, there's DeFi, there's NFTs. I mean, we had no smart contract capabilities on the Helium L1 before that. So just that alone is is going to be really huge for us, just the composability of everything you get on the Solana network. And um, yeah, yeah, and yeah, I think it, I think really it's exciting. a really interesting in, interesting conversation because I you know we we do a lot of consulting uh, at Y Wales under our solutions group, and there's so many times people bring our, their project to us and they go and and I need my own chain, and before even hearing you know the pitch, I'm like 99 percent chance you don't need your own chain, <laughs> um, and I think this is a really good one. You guys had the experience, you you, you built it out, you ran it. The, the the difference is is that the world has evolved quite a bit since you probably launched your, you know, conceptualize and launched your L1 um, to where the bridges are getting better, the protocols are getting faster and cheaper, and it, it ends up being, you know, it, this is not a, a Web2 solution. You have to maintain lots of nodes. There's a lot totally. of infrastructure that goes into this, and you guys already have a very large infrastructure place, so you just divide and conquer and say, where's where's my energy totally. and capital best spent? Um, and, and you guys are not a, a chain. You, you guys are, uh, you know, a Wi-Fi and cellular provider, an IoT yeah. provider. Exactly, and that was part of the re-architecture of HIP 72, um, which one kind of proposed Solana, but also did a massive re-architecture between, hey, we are a wireless network and we need the reliability of a wireless network so that people can actually roam and use, use us and be sure that you know um, 
the reliability of the network is not dependent on a blockchain. Um, and so what HIP70 actually did too was sort of decouple the IoT um, and, and wireless network side from the blockchain. Um, and so we we sort of simplified what the chain would do for us, which is now kind of payments, settlement, you know, um, wallet accounting, like really basic kind of blockchain functions. Um, and then now we have everything else that's really related to the wireless network um, and uh, IoT kind of data transfer um, off-chain. We have that in off-chain uh, oracles. And so um, we just simplified our, our needs as well. That's awesome. That's amazing. So let's let's dive right back over into kind of the infrastructure you guys have built and you're continuing to, to grow, which is, you know, wireless in, in various forms, you know, 5G, um, you know, long range, uh, standard old Wi-Fi uh, as well. So what does that look like today? And, you know, you said you've got over a million hotspots, which is, which is you know, a very large network at this point. But what does it look like if someone, um, you know, wanted to only be on, on Helium? Is that, is that, you know, something they can do in certain cities? Is there, do you guys have more, you know, kind of clustering or how's, how's the rollout going? Yeah, certain cities have full coverage today or just about full coverage today. So San Francisco has incredible coverage. New York has incredible coverage. Lisbon, um, has awesome coverage. Um, we have a lot of network partners that have deployed, you know, over 500 hotspots in Lisbon alone. Um, what are some wow. other ones? Yeah, those are the three major cities off off the top of my head um, that I've also visited and seen the coverage for myself, which is great. Um, that's a, sort of another thing that you can do on the Helium network is you can map this coverage. So we have a whole network of community uh, members that are, you know, out there actually mapping the coverage and they have these devices that they've built themselves and they can see kind of when they're connected to a hotspot to confirm that coverage is actually in the place that it says it is. So, um and and we're actually looking to expand that that sort of mapping exercise as well, so that more people and hopefully you could do it on your phones at some point too. But that um you know you'll be able to just kind of map where the coverage is and confirm that folks have coverage. Yeah. So if you wanted to roam on the Helium network today, um, uh, realistically, you probably wouldn't have coverage all the time. Like there's still plenty of deployments to happen in Helium. So plenty of hotspots to deploy, plenty of opportunities um, for hotspots to exist in. Like we definitely want to continue to increase deployment of hotspots. Um, but if you do want to, if you can't roam kind of individually, you can do what's called um, partnering with a with a roaming partner. And I believe we have four roaming partners on the Helium network today. So say you're onboarding like a hundred um, or so kind of an enterprise level amount of, you know, sensors to the Helium network. Mm -hmm. um, with a roaming partner, they'll be able to, um, you know, validate that when you can't roam on the Helium network, you'll still have coverage because they have, um, you know, kind of backup networks built into their, um, their roaming infrastructure. So... Yeah. So, 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 walk me through. Let's let's start from a user's perspective, and then I'd like to have you know kind of a, a node operator's perspective as well. So, for a user, um, you know, they they see you know a, a Wi-Fi network that I, I guess somehow signifies Helium. Just just walk me through as if I've never used it before. If you've never used the Helium network before, yeah. So, okay. So, if you've never used the Helium network before, and you're a sensor deployer, that's the question. Yeah. I, the, no, no. I, I the question is, I'm I'm going to New York. And I would like to use Helium uh, for, for cellular and for Wi-Fi. Okay. What, is, what, is, what does that look like? What do I got to do? 
the cellular one is maybe more interesting. So if you're if you go to like New York today and you want to roam on the um, Helium 5G network, um, first of all, you uh, you can't full time, but you can test the network. <laughs> so yeah. so um, uh, which I could actually probably give you a, a Helium eSIM if you would like to try that out. And oh, I would um, love you that. Can, yeah, you can test the Helium 5G network. So. But what you would do eventually is, you know, you'll have your cell phone and um, you have to make sure your phone's like unlocked, um, but you would install a Helium eSIM. And so you'll be able to see kind of at the top, you know, where you have your regular, you know, T-Mobile mm-hmm. or AT&T coverage, you'll also see, you know, another one that's Helium and you'll just have the same kind of, you know, bar view and, and whatnot, the same kind of UI that you expect for your your current service provider, you'll just see that for Helium. And when you're on the Helium network, work, you'll be able to roam on the Helium 5G network. And then when you're not, you'll likely be back on your your own kind of service. Um, and you'll be able to switch um, between the service providers based on your eSIM. But you'll install it like an eSIM, which is like a, a pretty easy um, user experience on your mobile phone today. Yeah, no, I actually, uh, I, I run dual SIMs on on oh, uh, my iPhone 14 and it's very easy. I swap when I go to different countries, you know, you you can literally download, it's the weirdest yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Like, you can download an eSIM and just, you know, run an, a native SIM when you're running there. And that's that's amazing that what it is because I, I was unsure how the, the uh, 5G would work. Um, but that also, you know, switching back over to kind of being a node operator, um, if you run a remote ranch, if you run, you know, if you're somewhere, it, shoot, you could almost be in the middle of the ocean. Um, um, if you've got a Starlink um, and an internet connection, you you can make a five G network anywhere you want to be. Is that correct? I'm I'm not totally sure how you would do it from from Starlink from from a, a satellite connection. I don't totally know if you could do that, but um, you do have to have like to install the five G network. You do have to have like a FCC certified you know five G radio, and it has to yeah. be installed to you know very kind of specific specifications. You have to have someone come out and look at it. Um, it you need to have like a, a CBRS you know certified deployer. Okay. You know, kind of review your deployment. So the installing five G is definitely not as easy as installing the Helium LoRaWAN network. But the Helium LoRaWAN network is still you know, a plug and play device. It's a, gotcha. it's a, yeah, it's a plug and play device. You put it in your home, you set the antenna up and you're supplying, uh, you know, a public lower wind network. So that one still is easy, but the 5G one's a, yeah, but the, um, theoretically, you know, let's just say that the back, the backhaul is just uh, an internet connection. So as long as you yes. have, so so theoretically, yes, if you've got a ranch in the middle of nowhere um, and you have no cell coverage or you have very minimal cell coverage and you say, I just need to use this for myself so I can have uh, a phone, it, it works in a lot of ways. So that's that's really interesting. So for the node operators that, that want to do either the, the long range or they want to do the 5G, um, what's that look like on the compensation side? I mean, some of those some of those radios are are not cheap. Um, some of them are very hard to get a hold of. So, what does that look like to be an operator um, and walk through that process of of getting the radio up and running, and then running it uh, and profiting over the years? Yeah. So the the five G network has its own token. It's the mobile token. Um, today, I believe that you can get the five um, G radios from um, Bobcat or Freedom Fi. Freedom Fi is a, a company under um, what's now Nova Labs. Um, Nova Labs are the original kind of creators of the of Helium network, and of course they've um, they're really very focused on mobile deployments and you know five G CBRS deployments and being actually a service provider. So they're going to be Helium Mobile, the you know kind of service provider um, on the Helium network. Um, so today. 
I, I really don't know the rewards. I can't, I can't tell you the rewards just because it, it depends so much on, uh, where your hotspot is, um, what surface area it's covering and any obstructions kind of in that surface area. I'm really simplifying it down. Um, but we have a kind of proof of coverage algorithm that, um, you know, determines the kind of strength and the quality of your connection on the 5G network, and then you're rewarded based on that. Um, there's a 5G, I can talk about the governance side as well. There's a sort of 5G mobile um, proof of coverage working group that's ongoing to sort of improve the status of rewards for mm. the 5G network. Um, and so today, I think, you know, you're, if you have a deployment up, um, I know that you're mining uh, from a pre-mine of those tokens, and then going forward, there's going to be a really a way more kind of clear way to have um, rewards be dispersed over time. Yeah, and and, and listen, innovation cycles are going to happen, especially yeah. when when you're going from the centralized, you know, tell tell, um, you know, uh, traditional, um, you know. Uh, phone services and, and tele, teleservices to now this entirely decentralized group of, of random individuals. And I say random, meaning that most of them don't know each other. You guys, you know, have, have mm-hmm. governance that, that is, you know, global. So I think it's amazing to, to see, you know, what the power of, of humans are when you put their mind to it and say, this is a base technology. You know, you guys didn't invent 5G. Mm-hmm. You're just trying to help, you know, add more 5G into some areas. And I think that's, that's great. You know, listen, even T-Mobile or AT&T or, or any of these other ones don't have perfect coverage. Nobody does. But yeah. the thought is that, you know, the more of these devices you can roll out, especially in, in certain areas, um, that that's a huge win for, for a lot of people. And, and again, now understanding that it's eSIM compatible to get the 5G, that opens up so many possibilities for places that are not uh, being, being taken care of by traditional 5G providers. And I'm not talking about the United States. I'm talking about other places in the world. For sure. And and I think it's important to note, too, that um, there's sort of two ways that you will always be able to get rewarded in the Helium network by deploying on either the LoRaWAN side or the 5G side. And that's from, one, the deployment itself, um, and you get rewarded through what's called proof of coverage. And that's that's the, you know, hey, you get rewarded for just having your hotspot up and providing coverage to the network. The other way is by network usage, which we think, and I, I really know is the long-term way that you're going to get rewarded by the network. That's from people using the network. So that's from folks actually running the eSIM on their phone and, you know, paying to use the Helium network and then connecting to your 5G um, radio when they do that and you're, you get rewarded from that. Same with the LoRa network. When you have some deployment and um, you'll, you know, have someone transferring data, you know, over the network, that's how your, your hotspot gets rewarded and how you get rewarded. That's awesome. So talk about a little bit of your roadmap. You know, um, obviously there's a lot of changes that are going on. You guys learned a lot during this last bull cycle. You're innovating quite a bit now during the bear. You know, what, what's, what's kind of the big items that are on your guys' um, horizon here to start rolling out? Yeah. So the first one is definitely the Solana migration. That's like our full faith and focus right now is, is migrating our L1 to Solana. Um, and yeah, just getting all of our users kind of aware of Solana on, you know, using the Solana network as well. And I think kind of sitting into that, making sure we're not, our, our developer team is, is not firefighting anymore once we're on the Solana network. After that, it's continuing continuing to improve um, the proof of coverage algorithm for the IoT network and for um, the mobile network. And so, again, we just rolled out two community-based 
working groups to do that. This is this is the governance side of that. Um, and so we have 16 um, members from the community working on both of those groups. And they're going to be rolling out kind of governance changes over time. They kind of provide um, strategic recommendations and they're building a roadmap themselves for, again, continuing to develop the, the rewards and the, the coverage of IoT and mobile. And so they're working on that. I think from the foundation side, we're continued to work on our roadmap is mostly um, driving demand. We want to drive usage of the network and we want to drive the usage of the network that's um, you know, small businesses or, you know, small deployments of sensors, kind of the on the ground, you know, boots on the ground use case um, that you might not have thought of, but hey, here's a Helium Foundation. We have some funding. We'd love to fund you or we'd love to help you build out your use case, like work with us and, and we want to help you do that. That That's like our, that's our full roadmap probably for the next um, couple of years. But um, but yeah, we are driving uh, demand side and and that's what we're mostly focused on. That's awesome. So I'm on your website right now, and I'm looking. And again, you're 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 dangerously close to that million uh, yeah. million hotspots. My question, my question is, is that you've got? Um, it's saying only about half of them are online. Mm-hmm. Is that is that the certification process? Because these are you know uh, FCC regulated. Um, that that even when they're installed, they still take some time to come online. No, that's no. The FCC part is for for the five G side. So um, I believe that all five G hotspots that are up should be online, but I haven't checked the Explorer, so keep me honest. But no, the the hotspots that are offline on the IoT network are are offline. So that's someone who has you know turned them off or um, they've left the network in some way. But but yeah, that is that is right. That there's about half half online today. Gotcha. Yeah, which, we all which that is, doesn't mean that they're not, you know, back online soon. <laughs> but, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, you guys are you guys are rolling out at hundreds a day that are coming online. I mean, we you, you're very you're right. You're very transparent. You're you're you know showcasing um, when things are coming online, where activity is, who paid what fees. Um, again, really great dashboard because uh, you could you have to educate uh, your clients. You have to educate your users and your operators. And so I think it's amazing that you're again just being this this prolific in this, and I'm I'm impressed. Uh, you know, again, it's United States is is a big chunk of your, mm-hmm. your business, but then you know Germany, Canada, UK, other ones like you you really are global right after there, and mm-hmm. they're all relatively even um, outside of the states. Valerie, I, I just I'm so impressed uh, with, with everything that Helium does, and the reason why I really like it is because. This is one of, you know, whether whether it's the long range, whether it's Wi-Fi, whether it's 5G, like wireless is one of those, like, it's like water, like, especially for the next upcoming generation, like they have to have connectivity at all times. And I like the fact that we're not beholden to the mega telecoms, um, that there is an alternative and, and not only is there an alternative, but it's great for for young, small entrepreneurs to run, you know, one node, 10 nodes, a thousand nodes, that it, it suddenly becomes, you know, a, a small business um, that people can do with with very little, uh, you know, capital to start off with. That all being said, you know, kind of where do you see the space evolving? I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of competition in, in the wireless space. Um, there's a lot of new innovations coming. Um, you know, kind of how do you see this playing out over the next few years? Yeah, I think that's what we're most excited about too, is that people are building businesses on the network and that we... Helium can provide such a low cost way to 
do sensor deployments and build IoT solutions that hopefully we've lowered the barriers of entry so significantly enough that, um, I mean, I would like to see, you know, university students like building sensors and deploying them to the network and actually being able to, you know, um, scale a business from that. So um, I think that's what we're the most excited about is the accessibility that Helium brings for innovation. So, um, where do we see this going all together? I mean, we still see the IoT network and I still see the IoT um, industry just like booming. I think like years ago, we, you know, we had this like really big push around smart city infrastructure and like smart city solutions and how kind of awesome and, you know, transformational that would be. And that, you know, I, I remember reading something that it was like, you know, one day you'll wake up and you'll just like look at your phone and you'll be able to see, you know, the whole flow of traffic and, you know, get into some shower that, you know, scans your body and, you know, shows you any medical things and sends that right to your doctor and, and whatnot. Like I, that, that sort of like, um, yeah, smart lifestyle thing I think is still to come. And I'm really excited to see that flow out. And I hope that folks continue to find the Helium LoRaWAN network because it is the largest public LoRaWAN network in the globe. Um, I hope that they find that and they're able to access that. And we just keep driving the growth of the IoT industry. Um, we were just, Helium just attended LoRaWAN live um, in Orlando last week. Um, the LoRaWAN industry is super excited about Helium. Again, it's the largest deployment of a LoRaWAN uh, of a LoRaWAN network in the world, and I think alone Helium has like driven that growth of yeah, probably more than anything. <laughs> so, Listen, you, you guys are one. Of, you guys are one of the the you know bright spots in in the crypto cryptocurrency you know yeah. Web three market industry. Even though you're not a crypto play per, per se, uh, you're an infrastructure play. But you're utilizing blockchain in a very new and novel way, and, and really showcasing um, you know how smart contracts and, and payments can be made. You know for microtransactions of, of things yeah. that are exist. You know someone could put something in, in place, and you know. Money's just get or tokens will just be deposited over years and years as long as it's online and people are using it. And I think that's that's really what you know a lot of people want is that you don't need that permissioned um, deal. No one has to come to you and say, "Can't you know? Can I be a, a provider?" Mm -hmm. um, you, you more is it is it the right location and, and do you have the right equipment? And there you go. Exactly, you opt in. Yeah. That's fabulous. So if people do want to, to do more of this, um, you know, for everyone watching right now, this goes, yep, I, I, I've got a bunch of buildings. I'm, I'm in a rural area or, you know, hey, I just, I love the concept and I want to roll it out. What's the best way for them to get involved uh, and get a hold of hardware and, and, and some support? Yeah, so you can go to helium.com um, and you can find sort of any of the certified manufacturers that sell LoRaWAN hotspots that run on the Helium network or sell, I think, 5G radios that run on the Helium network. So um, go to helium.com and you can find information there. You can also get involved with us by just joining the community Discord. That is like where the community lives. That's where governance lives. That's where we want you to kind of interact with us and, and ask questions and, you know, build use cases and, and all of that good stuff stuff. So um, you can find us uh, also, you can find that at helium.foundation. That's also the foundation website. Um, again, you can learn more about us. You can access grants there. We have sort of a rolling grants program that we have sort of different themes on each, I believe each month or each, um, uh, every couple of months, we have sort of a different theme for grants. Um, but yeah, helium.foundation or helium.com is definitely the two places to look. Join the, our Discord and then also, you know, please follow us on socials. We're Helium on Twitter and then Helium FNDN on Twitter as well.
That's fabulous. And, and, and I, I'm on your website now looking at the different brands you carry and I do recognize a number, number of these companies. Um, so I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent, like I said, now it looks like there's a variety of ways to get them compared to last year when I tried a hundred percent going to order one. We'll, we'll plug it in and, and play with it. So Valerie, thank you so much for your time today. Really excited for the mission that Helium Network is doing, that foundation is doing. Um, and for Whales, this is Helium and we'll catch you guys next time. Be good. Why Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. Why Whales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. YWhales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.